Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Peter, please. 2 Peter 3. Make sure you take care of everybody there well, Tom. A lot of babies around you, just in case you need to pitch in. You in 2 Peter 3? Awesome. Chapter 3. And uh, let me begin at verse 3. 2 Peter 3, chapter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, and I'll define the last days for you in a moment. In the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this, quotes, coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends... Since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So clearly, the theme of the text is about being ready for the Lord's second coming. Specifically, it talks about the day of the Lord or the day of, of God, and I will get to that in a minute. This letter was written probably about 30 years, 40 at the most, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. So, 30 or 40 years. During that period of time, if you've been reading your New Testament over the years and have been paying attention to the letters, you would have noticed that there there was always an anticipation about Jesus coming again. 
they had recognized crucifixion was necessary, not just because of the reality of it happening in front of their eyes, but they began to put the Old Testament Scriptures together with the happenings in and around their day, and they realized that the Old Testament spoke about Christ's coming and His death. They had witnessed His resurrection personally, especially the apostles, but there were others as well as 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. At least 500, it tells us, that witnessed that. And then also there was the passage in Acts that tells us about Jesus 40 days later ascending into heaven. And in Acts 1.11, while they're watching Jesus ascend into heaven, there's a couple of angels that show up and they say this, and I'm paraphrasing, hey guys, why are you standing there like this, looking like that, watching Jesus ascend? You need to know that as you've seen Him ascend, so you will see Him return. And so they hung on to that. They hung on to the fact that Jesus was going to come. He'd come once to suffer, bleed, and die, uh, to provide salvation. But they also knew that he was going to come again and eventually set up and establish the kingdom. But, But they would not have seen that in their day as an event that was a long way off necessarily. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, well, I know that from the writings of people like Peter and people like Paul, who, who were writing in such a way that they are anticipating that Jesus could come at any time. Uh, the, the fancy word for it is imminent. That he could return it at, at any particular time. And they were looking forward to that. In fact, not only were they looking forward to that, but there were some letters written, like those to the, the, the church of Thessalonica, that, that Paul was dealing with some stuff like some had felt that he had already come, that there had been some report of prophecy that he had already come. Corinthians deals a little bit with the fact that, you know, is there a resurrection? When's the resurrection going to happen? If Jesus wasn't resurrected, then nobody's going to be resurrected. Thus, Jesus obviously isn't coming again. So... In a number of the letters, like to Corinth and, and to the Thessalonians, there's, there's these tidbits of information that are given to us that tell us that at least some in those days anticipated that Jesus could return at any time. And so they were looking forward to that. And then we get a letter like this that reminds us that they were thinking that his return could be at any time. Because at only 30 or 40 years out, again, Second Peter written 30 or 40 years out uh, from the time that Jesus ascended, there are some people in the church and some people, outsiders, remember I spoke about outsiders last week, there are some outsiders saying this to you Christians, so let me pick on you guys, eh? But let's pretend it's first century. So where's Jesus? You guys have been going to church for 30 years. It's A.D. 60, 65, A.D. 70. Jesus has been gone for 40 years now. You all said Jesus was coming back. Well, where is He? I don't see Him. You don't see Him. What about this return? What about this coming? Aren't aren't some of you starting to lose faith? starting to lose trust, starting to wonder just a little bit if this Messiah, this Christ, this Jesus that you put your trust in, if he's the real deal, I mean, is he going to come? There's no question that back in these days, folks, there there are some that had tasted death 
they'd already died and they didn't expect to die before Jesus is coming. And some of their relatives are a little bit concerned about that. We expected Jesus would already be here now and here it is 40 years later since He ascended and He's still not here. Hey church, get nervous. So that's the gist here. That there was this expectation that Jesus would be coming and He hasn't come yet. So, let's look at this. Verse verse 3, the writer Peter says to, to the church, those in the faith, says, look, you've you got to understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and saying. So, here's, here's this term, last days. What does the last days refer to? When, what are we talking about? In the Old Testament, there's all kinds of passages that speak about the last days or the great day of the Lord or the great and terrible day of the Lord. I'm going to give you a couple of references here. Uh, The most significant one that I'm going to give you is from Amos chapter 5, verse 18. And the Jews understood the day of the Lord, uh, Old Testament Jews understood the day of the Lord as a period of time where God would bring judgment upon the Gentile nations, that He would restore Israel... And that, in a sense, he would fix things. Everything would be fixed. There was a little bit of misunderstanding about that. There was no question that the Lord was going to come and fix things. But he wasn't just going to fix Gentiles. He was going to fix rebellious Jews as well. And so there's this mention from time to time, hey, careful Jewish people. Those of you that think that the the day of the Lord is just going to be God's retribution against Gentiles, God's going to straighten you out too. So, you know... Be careful about being so anxious about this day. If you look at it in the New Testament, and I'm going to give you two passages of Scriptures, one in 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 8, and another in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 14, where it talks about the day of our Lord Jesus Christ or the day of the Lord Jesus. And in the New Testament, it, it kind of flushes out. It puts more meat on the bones of our understanding of the day of the Lord. Again, when, when God would not just come to straighten things out, but God would basically return, Jesus would return to the earth and establish His kingdom here on earth. So there's a, a little more depth to it, but it's also including, of course, those Gentiles that have come to faith over those years. And so, if we were going to summarize, or in a sentence, just talk about, well, what does the the day of the Lord mean? It it means mostly this, a time of judgment, where where God's going to settle accounts. It's a time of judgment. And as it refers to the day of the Lord and these last days, the last days is often referred to a period of time that we would suggest to you uh, begins in Acts chapter 2 with the pouring out of the Spirit, because... uh, Peter on that day, the same writer of this book, stands up and says, look, this is what the prophet Joel talked about, that in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And Pete says, and that's beginning right now. So, the day of the Lord is a period of judgment where God God is going to judge people. And the last days that are going to culminate in that day of the Lord begin basically in Acts chapter 2. So it would, not, it would not be inaccurate to say today that we are in the last days. But it also would not have been inaccurate to say 2,000 years ago, beginning on the day of Pentecost, that they were in the last days. And that's why you have people today sometimes throw this phrase out, well, we're in the last of the last days. In other words, we're at the tail end of the last days. To be honest, when people say that, they don't really know. 
they're just saying, look, obviously we're 2,000 years down the road, and if they thought it was the last days 2,000 years ago, and it was, then the last of the last days certainly could be a term that you could tack to these days, the fact that we're now 2,000 years into church history and Jesus, Jesus still hasn't come back. But there was never a time frame in the Bible put on the last days. And that's what you have to understand. There was a beginning. Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. In the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. There's a beginning, and there is the end in the sense that it will culminate in the great and terrible day of the Lord. But how long that period is, folks, if we're going to be honest, we don't know. If we're going to be honest, I would say this. Not that I've been around for 2,000 years. I just look like I have. But I would suggest to you that probably every generation since the apostles has felt that they were living in the last of the last days, probably. That there were things happening. I would imagine that when the temple was destroyed and the church, which was, we know was destroyed in 70 A.D., we know that when the church was destroyed, uh, pardon me, when the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. under, under the Romans, and they look back to those passages that Jesus talked about, not one stone being left upon another, that they probably thought that here it is. Here it is. Uh, the temple has been destroyed. Jesus talked about the temple being destroyed. Jesus talked about the signs of the last days. And, and here it is. And if this letter, it can be written around 60, 65, 70 A.D., then the destruction of the temple would have just come a few years later, probably. Again, it's hard to date, it's hard to date the books, you know, pinpoint accuracy. But if it was written around 60 or 65 or 68 A.D., then the temple would have been destroyed just a couple years later. And there would have been a generation at that time would have said, the temple's destroyed, so look out, Jesus is going to come again. He's going to restore all things. And so there's always been segments, people, groups, churches, sometimes fringe, that have felt that, you know, Jesus could come at, at any particular moment, at any particular time. But, but we don't know. We don't know. And I'll tell you why we don't know in, in just a few minutes from, from Second Peter. But the point of this is thus. You better be ready. You better be ready so that when the day of the Lord does come, you're not taken in judgment. The Bible says this in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. That Jesus' return is the blessed hope of the church. And so the church is looking forward to the return of Christ. Amen? We're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to his setting up his kingdom as he talked about. It reminds us in Titus 2.13 that it is our blessed hope. It's been the blessed hope of the church since day one. Whether you were the first generation church that thought that Jesus was likely going to come in your, your period of time, or you were part of a generation that was subsequent to that, Nonetheless, you thought that Jesus was going to come in your time. So let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this passage of Scripture. Let's look at the day of the Lord. And let's look at, at all, of, all of this means. The, the gist of the text is this, that people, church people, Christians, Christ followers, 
the gist of the text is this, that people are hearing from outsiders that they don't believe that the return of Jesus is going to happen at all. And so they say things like this, and, and Pete's picking up on things that have been said in and around his time, that everything has gone on as it has since the beginning of the world, and nothing has really changed. One day follows another day. Yeah, there's this and there's that, but Jesus still has a return. Nothing really hasn't changed. So they're, they're challenging church people. Some of the unsaved people are challenging church people and saying, where is this coming? They're scoffing. They're mocking Christians in that day. And they're saying, look, he still hasn't showed up. Aren't you guys starting to get a little bit worried about this? Like, when is Jesus coming? Now, a couple of things I just want to say about this. It's possible then in that day and age that there were some people in the church getting antsy. Because as I said, there was a feeling among some at least, and I think at least the apostles, that Jesus could return at any time and likely would return at any time, that they would likely see Jesus in their lifetime. I don't think any of them had this thought that it was uh, hundreds of years out or thousands of years out as it turns out to be. And so 30 or 40 years had passed since the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and there was some thought as to, hey, he hasn't returned yet. And there might have been some people in the church that are just feeling a little bit antsy about that. I got saved in 1981. And if you're a young adult in 1981, thinking was this, Lord, come, but not till I get married. I don't know if that's a thing in this generation now, the young adults, Lord, come, but not, not until I'm, I'm married. But it was this, we're looking forward to it, but, but don't come too quickly. In the church, especially this part of the world, because things are so good, there's the thought sometimes, well, why do we need Jesus to come and wrap things up? Things are good. Things are good in Canada. Things aren't perfect, but things are good. The church is good. My life is good. i got a good job, kids, grandkids, school, education, money, all of those kind of things. Hey, Jesus, there's no rush. Just chill. When things get really bad, we'll kind of like have a bat phone, right? The red phone. And when things get really bad, we'll shine the light, get on the bat phone, and we'll call him. And he'll come back and he'll deliver us from the really hard times that perhaps are going to come. But they're not here yet, at least in this part of the world. And so... Don't be in any kind of a rush. But the outsiders were raising the possibility of, of doubt in some of the church people's minds in those days and perhaps killing a little bit of faith. And, and maybe there were some people thinking about this in the church. You know what? Yeah, I did think he'd be here by now. And things are getting a little tough now. The Roman Empire is amping up its persecution of the church. And it wouldn't be a bad idea if Jesus came right now. But unfortunately, there's these people out there, really mouthy outsiders, mocking us and scoffing and saying, where is this coming that you spoke about? So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Number one, if Jesus isn't coming back, maybe it's because he's still dead. Number two, if Jesus isn't coming back, there's no future judgment. So live like you want. 
Number three, if Jesus isn't coming back, then that means that there's no future home or anything like that for us. So what's going to happen is, is you're going to die, you're going to be laid to rest in the ground, and that's going to be it. And another generation's going to come along, and things will be just as they said. They just keep going on as they've always been going on. Nothing really changes. So let's look at this. Day of the Lord. Maybe Jesus hasn't returned. It's because He can't return. I mean, we know that in the first generation of Christians, there were those that saw Jesus physically raised from the dead. We, we know that. We know that 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that there were over 500 people that saw Him. And, and Paul references some of that in his letter to the Corinthian church. And he says, look, and even some of those people are still alive today. If you wanted to, you could go up and talk to them. Whether or not outsiders would see them as reliable witnesses or not, uh, that's questionable. But now that we're into the 60s uh, A.D. and it's 30, 40 years past the time that, that Jesus was supposed to have been resurrected, maybe there is some question now, right? That, that Jesus actually did raise from the dead. Maybe He was put into the tomb. And, and yes, maybe we can agree that He was a historical figure. And, and maybe we can agree that He was crucified by the Romans and all of that. But the bottom line is He's like everybody else. He was placed in the tomb or He was placed in the grave. And, and His remains are still there to this day. Because in the intellectual Market. There is agreement that Jesus was a real historic figure. But, but no more than people like Pilate or Herod of his day, or Marco Polo or Queen Victoria, or if you want, Donald Trump. They agree that he existed. But, but they're not giving him messiahship, and they're not saying that he was raised from the dead. They're agreeing that Jesus had a following, but they would more likely say, and he was killed, and that's the end of the story. There's no Paul Harvey to follow that up. So there's not a lot of agreement on the resurrection. A great modern day proof in their day and in ours of his resurrection would be that he, he came back, right? I mean, if you've got outsiders saying that, are you sure he was raised from the dead? Are you sure he's coming back? Well, if on a given day, poof, there he was, I mean, that would beat up that argument pretty quick, wouldn't it? The conversation would be over. There he is. And so in this day, it would have been great, too, that the early church, some of them that are getting a little weak in the knees, would be saying, yeah, you know what, I, I, we could shut those guys up if Jesus would return. But unfortunately, He hasn't returned yet. So, uh, I don't know what to say. Maybe they're right. If He's not yet back yet, maybe, maybe He's not coming back. I mean, it does, seem, it does seem like it's been a long time. So maybe Jesus hasn't returned because He's still dead and in the grave. If Jesus has, isn't returning, then that also means that there's no judgment because the day of the Lord is supposed to be, according to the Old Testament, a, a setting of accounts that, that, that God is going to come up and, and judge people and there's, there's, there's going to be punishment for those that have been ungodly, those that haven't served the Lord. Eventually there will be rewards for those who have served the Lord. God will establish a new heaven and a new earth and there will be new order and all of those kinds of things. The Bible describes here that the old heavens and the old earth are going to be burnt up in flames and that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But, but if Jesus is dead, then all of 
of that isn't going to happen either because He's going to be the one that constitutes all of that. So if Jesus isn't coming back, then there's no judgment. So you know what? Just keep going on. It would also mean that past judgment, of course, should be treated with a great deal of of doubt. If there's no future judgment, then what about the Genesis flood and all of that? Is that just stories? Is that just myth? Did any of that happen? Because the Bible talks about this, right? That that they scoff and they mock and they say, where is this coming? But But... You know, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning in, in 2 Peter 3, verse 4. But then Peter writes, But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. So talking about creation, that's fine. But these waters, all, uh, but by these waters, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. Obviously speaking to the Genesis flood. But if you can't trust the fact that Jesus was coming a second time, maybe you can look back on the clock and you can look back to the things that happened in the past and just write them off to myth. I mean, that's how it's treated today by most scholars anyways, right? That, that, that people believe that the events that were written for us in the book of Genesis as it relates to creation, as it relates to the flood, that it's all myth and story, that none of it's provable. And, and, and more likely than not, it, it's all just a great big hoax. So, if Jesus can't be trusted to come again, then the stories that, that point to His coming and that talk about all the things that God's going to do, they can't be trusted either. And so, if there was uh, no second coming for Christ, then we can look back on our Old Testament passages and we can always put them into the, the lens of skepticism and myth. And maybe none of that happened either. So, if it didn't happen in the past then it's unlikely right to happen in the future. If there was no past judgment, why should we expect that there will be a future judgment? If there's no past accountability, then why should we expect that there will be a future accountability? So you see, when we start talking about can we trust that Jesus is coming again, it doesn't just cast doubt on what's going on here and now but it also casts doubt on what happened in the past. Can any of it really be trusted? Or is it just mythology? Is it just ancient Jewish writings and that, you know what, they just, in a sense, really more than anything else, just made it up. There will be no fire, no burning of the earth, no judgment of sinners. There will be no eternal damnation thing. There will be no settling of accounts. And of course, third, there will be no future home. If Jesus isn't coming back because He died 2,000 years ago, and perhaps He wasn't resurrected, then obviously all of His teachings about a future life are off as well. No resurrection of Jesus, no resurrection of His followers. The Bible clearly teaches that in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, verses 13 to 19, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then obviously the rest of us, that ain't going to happen. If there's no resurrection uh, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, uh, then there's no heaven, there's no eternal home, uh, there's no new heavens and earth if, if nothing is going to be consumed. As they say back in their writings here, that things are just going to continue to go on as they've always gone on. So, when you look at this passage of Scripture, 
Peter isn't sharing this with you so you can define when he is coming again. Because, I mean, boy, a lot of time has been given to that, eh? I'm sure there's people in this congregation that have spent hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks trying to figure out all of the details that, that need to fall into place so that we could, in a sense, have some kind of idea when Jesus is returning. Uh, when I got saved back in the 80s, uh, the popular uh, eschatological books, the ones that looked at the future and judgment, all of that, uh, all dealt with the Middle East oil crisis. Remember some of those books? Remember those? Uh, I probably got some of them dated. They were probably written in the 70s, but I, I started noticing some of that stuff in the 80s. Um, and we know, we know that what happens in the Middle East is, is, is integral to, to the to God's clock in a sense. Well, I mean, we all understand that. But you would get these writers that would look into passages, you know, in Ezekiel 36 and 37 and Matthew 24 in the book of Revelation, and they would all try to sort out for you, you know, what's going to happen, who's going to do it, who's the Antichrist, and all of the weeks, dates, months, years that's going to happen, right? And, and here it is, 2017. And I'm not saying those writers are, are like all wrong, but what I am saying is it's futile to try to nail it down like that. I mean, we know that there's been significant events that have happened in the last number of years. You know, uh, the Jews being back in the land in 1948 and all that had happened and all the things that are going on there since then and even to this day that obviously shed some light on Christ's return. But, but to start picking years and months and days or or a five year period or a ten year period. I'm sure if if we could resurrect some of the first Pentecostal believers that maybe passed away in the nineteen fifties, and if they were resurrected today and brought into our church and we said to them, It's two thousand and seventeen, they would look at us and say, And Jesus still hasn't come? I think they'd be shocked. And I think I think there's a good sense that we are in anticipation that Jesus is coming soon. I think for the church, that's a, that's a good thing. I think it's a bad thing when we start trying to nail it down to days, weeks, months, and years. I don't think that that serves you well at all. And I think what we've seen in the trends of writings from Christian writers over the last number of decades is that as new events happen, as new information comes forth, then the chapters get changed. And it's not this, it's this now. And then you get revised versions of old material. Stick to the Bible. Stick to what the Scriptures say. You'll notice here that Peter doesn't fall into the trap of saying this. Don't worry, I've got it on good account. Jesus is coming in A.D. 73 on April the 2nd. Now, he's an apostle. This guy walked and talked with Jesus. And yet the Spirit never felt under any compulsion to say to Pete, look, there's, there's people in the church right now that are getting picked on by, by outsiders and they're mocking and they're scoffing and they're saying, where is this return? And we realize that if Jesus doesn't come, it has all kinds of implications and ramifications and consequences for, for people of faith. So here, Pete, what I want you to do is give them a date. And then they can relax. We'll all know. We'll all know when to pack our suitcase. But he doesn't do that. 
Because, and, and here's why I think he doesn't do that, folks. is because in Paul's writing, he tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And when we start getting into date naming, we start walking by sight and not by faith. We've got it all figured out. We've got a little, a little ring binder in our, our den where we've got it all figured out. I've got it figured out. And I just don't think that that's, that's the way the Spirit works. So let me give you what I think should be the believer's response. Because there is a believer's response to this. So let's keep, let's keep reading here. You know, if, 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 if Jesus isn't, hasn't come yet, maybe it's because he's dead. If Jesus hasn't come yet, there's, you know, there's, there's no future judgment. There is going to be no great and terrible day of the Lord. And if there's no future great and terrible day of the Lord, maybe any of that stuff that we've talked about in the past, like a flood, that didn't happen either. And, and if that's the case, if Jesus you know, wasn't resurrected, if Jesus isn't coming again, then if there's no resurrection for him, there's no resurrection for us, and that means there's no future home. Once you die, that's it. It's all over. Those are the consequences, ramifications, implications if, if what these scoffers are saying is true. But let's go to verse 8. What's the believer's response? And here's the big question. Why is this taking so long? Folks, they thought it was a long time back in A.D. 68. It's 2017. That's a long time. I, I don't know on your calendar... On my calendar, 2,000 years is a long time. Craig, that's longer than the last time the Leafs won the Cup. And for those of you that have been around six, six, since 67, it's not going to be this year either. Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Now, don't get into literalism here and saying, well, you know what? Like, you know, up in heaven, there's a big grandfather clock and, uh, you know, uh, it moves uh, depending on how you need it, either real fast or real slow. Uh, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Don't get into literalism here. It's just saying this. That God isn't bound because He's beyond time and space. God isn't bound to our way of measuring things. It's not like saying, well, it's, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was resurrected in heaven. It's only, it's only day two. So if it's day two, you know, He's in no rush. I mean, here's the problem with that math, right? I mean, if it is 1,000 years like a day and a day like 1,000 years, I mean, God could go like 365 days. That's 365,000 years. It doesn't seem like a long time up there, but boy, I tell you, down here it is. So don't get into literalism there. That's not the point he's trying to make. He's just saying, look, God is outside the realm of time and space because he's God, because he's the creator of the universe. And, and, and then he moves on in verse 9. He says, look, the Lord isn't slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. And then he says, why? Look, every day that God waits there's an opportunity for more people to get saved. Bottom line. So, I'm glad God waited until our time as we know it, September the 20th, 1981, because that's the day I got saved. I'm real glad that He didn't come in 1980, because I'd have missed it. And some of you have probably been saved 
since 1981. And if God does come today, if Jesus does return today, that means that anybody that may have been saved tomorrow, that they're, they're out of luck. So if you've got unsaved loved ones that you've been praying for and they aren't saved right now, if Jesus comes, then they're out of luck. It's sorry. great and terrible day of the Lord has come upon them and they weren't ready. So as a church, we don't look at the fact that Jesus hasn't come yet and go, what's taking him so long? Do you have people like that? Like, Let me just sit down here. Some of you are thinking at your sermon right now. But do you have people like that at your home that you're, you're supposed to be somewhere for a certain time? Yeah, some of you are already chuckling. And, and, and when we get passive-aggressive, this is what we do. We go sit in the car. Because we're afraid to say anything. But, but we'll go sit in the car. And we wait, and we say to ourselves, like, what possibly could they be doing? Like, why is it taking them so long? Does it really take that long to get dressed? And the answer is, yes. Could they have started to get ready earlier? Yes. Did they? No. So we wait. But that waiting isn't really productive. But when it comes to Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus isn't coming perhaps as quickly as we'd like is because he's got a bigger plan. And the big plan isn't to try to usher us into heaven as quickly as possible. The big plan is to try to wait as long as he can so that the church, which is supposed to be active in sharing its faith, is out there doing the work of the Lord, sharing the message with grace and patience with the outsiders. Last week's message, Colossians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And so that at the end time when Jesus does come, the harvest will be as big as it possibly can be. Now, I'm looking at the houses now. You guys like big harvests, right? The bigger, the better. The kingdom of God is the same way. Jesus isn't just looking for a few. He's not looking for a few good men or a few good women. He's looking for as many as possible. He wants the harvest to be as big as possible. So he has delayed his coming so that every day there's a chance that someone else can get saved. But here's the thing. But one day it will be too late. We have no idea when that day is. I know. Some of you scholars got it figured out. We have no idea when that day will be. But if you're not ready, you missed it. There's, there's no second chance. There's no reprieve. There's no turning the clock back. You've missed it. But it's not that God is slow. It's God is gracious. So that as many people as possible can be safe. Well, let's, let's read it again. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. Now, we know not everyone will be saved. We know that. We know the math. But I mean, pardon me for being blunt, but there's people here this morning that aren't saved. And in a sense, there's two things going on. You're banking on the first thing, is that you're in the scoffers group that, you know what, he ain't coming again. I mean, I'll, I'll grant you Jesus was a historical figure. I'll grant you that. But the whole resurrection stuff and coming again stuff and the creation flood stuff, I ain't buying into any of that. Jesus died and it's all over with and that's all it is. So I come to church because the church teaches me to be moral and ethical and I think that's good. 
But this whole believing in a second coming and going to heaven and... Ah. So some of you are, you know, are, are, are in that camp where that, that, that you're, you're, you're banking on that. Some of you who believe in Jesus, but you're just not ready yet to submit your life to walk in obedience with Him, are banking on this. I'll feel like it tomorrow and He won't come in the meantime. It's not that I disbelieve what you're saying, Pastor Brandon. I believe, but you know what, I'm just not ready yet to make it right with God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm, I come, I, I hear, it encourages me, it interests me, but I'm not quite ready yet to, to make the leap, the jump. So what I'm hoping is, is that I will make it somewhere down the road when I feel like the timing is right, when it all lines up, and I'm hoping that, that I'll have time to do that, and in the interim, Jesus won't come, because I know if he does come, then I've waited a day too long. Here's why we don't know when Jesus was coming. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, how many of you have ever had something stolen from your car or had been broken into in your house? I'll put my hand because we've been at a break-in. Yeah, see, crime is alive and well. What's the police doing? Oh, just kidding. Okay. So back in Sudbury, we went away one, one Thanksgiving weekend. We went to Thunder Bay. We lived in Surrey, we went to Thunder Bay. I went to do a family wedding. And when we got back, I found out that our home had been broken into, right? You know, he never sent a card. Dear Brent and Karen, while you're away this weekend, we're going to break into your house. Never sent a card. Thieves generally don't announce when they're coming. That's why they get away with it. Somebody figured out a long time ago, if you send a notice, you get caught right away. So they quit doing that thousands of years ago. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. God's judgment, when Jesus returns and, and all accounts are given, isn't going to come at a time when you expect it. Look, if I had known that guy was coming, I wouldn't have left some cash in my house that weekend, which I normally never do, but that weekend I did. I think I lost 500 bucks in cash. Yeah, that hurt. Not to mention they messed it up like you can't believe. So, um, because I was crazy back in those days... Um, I, we, we drove up on the Thursday, did the wedding rehearsal Thursday night. Try that. Drive from Surrey to Thunder Bay, get there, do a wedding rehearsal that night, same night. Yeah, do that. That's fine. And then uh, we had a day of rest, and then the wedding Saturday. So Sunday we went to church, and after church I called our home church, and I said, hey, how was things? And I talked to one of the deacons, right? I, you know, I should have just left it alone. And he says, uh, oh, Hi, Pastor. Uh, just so you know, we did check on your house this weekend and somebody broke into it. Oh, bummer. So that wasn't fun. That was like Sunday at about 1 o'clock. So I called my dad. And my dad in those days had a friendly German shepherd. And I said, hey, Dad, you want to bring the shepherd over to the back of our house, tape up the window as best you can, fix the door as best you can, but just tie the shepherd to the back and leave him there. So Dad did that for me. My dad also slept there overnight. See, that's what I would have done had I known he was coming the first time. I would have said, meet puppy. So the believer's response is this. Hey, I, I know you're scoffing and, and mocking and all of that and saying none of this can happen. you know. Uh, but look, the Lord is slow in coming as we understand it because he's patient with mankind because he loves us and he wants as many people to to be saved as possible. But understand this, verse 10, 
The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with the war. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in, uh, done in it will be laid bare. Now you have to understand that passage of Scripture is taking a very broad view of the last of the last days. So like it's, it's a very broad view here. I don't want you to get too hung up on the specifics like all of this happens in a nanosecond or in a moment. But, but after God comes, after Jesus comes, and, and all the things that He do that are spoken about in, in the book of Revelation, then God is going to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to destroy the old and He's going to do brand new stuff. The, the home of, of righteousness. And all of that will be for His, his church, for those that have believed. All of those that have walked by faith through the millennium, the millennia. All of those that have you know been wondering and waiting and wondering and waiting, but have hung in there and walked by faith. So, the day of the Lord has two ramifications. Let me just sum it up. For believers, the Bible goes on to say that you need to stay true to the faith. Look what it says in verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, to the great day of the Lord, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul wrote. In other words... For believers were to stay true to the faith and walk the walk. Live holy and godly lives. Live like we believe Jesus is coming again. Live like we believe there's going to be judgment for those that haven't believed. Understand that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Understand that He's going to reward those that have walked with Him. But it reminds us in the meantime, even though there's all kinds of skepticism, and especially in our generation where it's been 2,000 years since Jesus' return, stay true. Don't look at this as, well, he, I guess he's not coming. No. Every day that he re- delays his return means someone else gets saved. Maybe it's someone that you love and someone that you've been praying for. So it's not a bad thing. But in the meantime, while you're waiting, be active for the Lord and walk true. The second ramification is those that I referred to last week from Paul's letter to the Colossian church as outsiders. The unsaved and the ungodly. The Bible tells them that they need to get right with God or they'll be swept away in judgment. So for the church, stay true, stay in the faith, live the life, walk godly lives. For those of you that aren't saved, you you need to understand this. Judgment is coming. You may think it's slow and it's never going to happen. God says it seems slow to you because I'm patient with you. But there will come a day where the patience will wear out. Are you ready? Let's pray.